On Devil Times 5 this month, we're not just blinded by science, we're mutilated, castrated and even beheaded by it. Hello, you are listening to episode 67 of the Devil Times 5 Horror Podcast, where we're going to discover the secret of worse living through chemistry, and also biology, though physics seems to get away with its reputation intact. I'm Cliff, and I'm joined by three human experiments gone wrong, Emily, Luke, and Bryony. Hello. And because every mad scientist needs an innocent guinea pig, we've got a guest devil with us. But as a professional Dungeons and Dragons game master, she's more than used to playing God herself. It's stand-up comedian Sasha Ellen. Hello, Hello. Sasha. How are you doing? I am well. Good. As a dungeon master, have you related to any of the mad scientists you've encountered while watching these films this month? Well, you've you've shortlisted the creepiest shit I've ever watched. Like, I, I enjoy horror <laughs> movies, but I tend to be like, oh, and then they're running, and then there's a there's a twist. These are like, this is psychological terror. And I wasn't prepared for this. And I I I play Dungeons and Dragons with like a lot of children and teenagers for money. I'm not gonna do this to them. This is terrifying. <laughs> You've scarred me. Good. I mean I was hoping that you'd be in your element. Little chemistry pun there. Oh, very good. I thought you were you were you were subtly implying that I'm a terrifying mad scientist, but no. You do give off that vibe, definitely. I do. I do. Yeah. But anyway, before we open up that can of eyeballs, let's see what other horrors have been bubbling away for us since we last recorded. Uh, Luke, you go first. What are your highs and lows? Uh, my high is the black phone. Um, the new okay. Scott Derrickson film um, about kids being kidnapped, um, but then one kid being kidnapped and ending up in a room with a phone where he's getting called by the kids that were previously kidnapped. Um, it's actually pretty effective. Um, it has a few jump scares, but there was one that was just really surprising to me. And it's a very creepy, well-made horror with um, Ethan Hawke playing the uh, person that's kidnapping kids. It's, it's one of the best performances I've seen from him, him in quite some time as well. Okay. Cool. Anyone else seen that? Cliff, yeah, I sent you a message. Lol, do you want to see some crap horror film with Ethan Hawke in it? And then I watched the trailer and went, oh, actually, it's really good. And then I continued watching the trailer. And I was like, oh, I just know how it ends now. Uh, does the trailer have the ending? <laughs> they have the kind of the entire film. And I'm like, well, I've seen it. That's good. Save myself 10 Um And low? My low is the new Netflix film Incantation, which is um, a Thai found footage film about a woman that believes she has a curse on her. Um, so she starts filming everything. Um, she'd had her child taken off of her, and she's got her child back, but weird stuff starts happening with the child. Starts doing flashbacks to what had previously happened to this person. Uh, it has a few creepy moments, but it's an hour and 50 minutes long, and it really starts to drag. Mm. So that's my that's my lie. Bryony? I've not caught anything new this month in the cinema other than Brian and Charles, so... Oh, that's cracking. I love it. it it's so it's great. So and if you're afraid of, like, hoarding isolation and, and sort of possibly parental loss and robots, then it's a cracking horror film. All right, we'll, we'll allow it. Oh, it's so good. It is so good. I did watch, which I am going to use as my high, One Cut of the Dead went in completely blind. What a cracking Ooh. film. So my mate Dan was like, watch it, watch it. And I was like, all right, I'll look it up. He's like, don't fucking look it up. Don't fucking look it up. And then I was doing my annual go around cliffs for a week and look at Cats and his DVDs because you went away. And I looked at your Cats and DVDs for a week. It was great. <laughs> yes. And I, I watched the DVDs and I fed the cats. But yeah, you have a very good selection of films. So I watched One Cut of the Dead. Selection of cats. 
great selection of cats miss them dearly um not at 5 a.m but yeah no one of, <laughs> one of the dead very very good um I, was, I mean i don't want to say too much in case people haven't seen it because i went in blind and i think that's part of the joy it's fair but also i enjoyed it more the second time when I knew what to expect. Yeah, but what if there's someone not watching it and they're like, oh, I think I would really Oh, yeah, yeah, we won't, we won't spoil it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later. That'll be like on the Patreon bonus content. <laughs> I'm so sick of podcasts that go on about their Patreon. And we're just going to take a moment now to say we're supposed to buy a mattress. <laughs> it's not with mattress or pants. The best podcast thing I had recently, just as a, a very, very brief aside, was I listen to true crime podcasts occasionally. So they're talking about something really, really grim and really, really serious. And they go into like their sponsored ads, but it's just them reading a script. So yeah. the two women that are going, oh, my God, that's awful. I can't believe that guy did that to his own children. And then she goes, guys, I just want to take a moment to talk to you about skin. <laughs> it's like who listens to this ladies oh my vlog skincare yeah not appropriate anyway i don't have a low i mean i watched um deadbeat till dawn which yeah is a horror it's, got gory. it's gory and it's got some sweet kung fu and yeah. some <laughs> some gangs in dayton ohio and they're like i've got to do my kung fu <laughs> that's a spot on dayton ohio accent by the way yeah, no real low. I've watched a lot of stuff not related to horror, but it's all quite horrible. Okay. Sasha, let's move on to you. What did I love? I loved Green Room recently, so I'm quite Ooh, late to yes. the party on Green Room, but oh my God, it was so great. Like, Patrick fucking Stewart. Oh, mate. And the thing is, he, what I love is that he does absolutely nothing. He is terrifying without doing anything at all. He's just walking around being bald and giving instructions. That's it. And he is the scariest thing I've ever seen. And I think what's really chilling and what I love about him as a villain is that he is just very practically solving a situation that he needs to solve. And there's yeah. nothing else. And it's so beautiful. That's why he's the most efficient Star Trek captain. <laughs> I mean... I did not think of Picard once. Like, not... And that's impressive, given that it's him. Bryony thinks of little else but Star Trek. <laughs> It's a drag on this podcast. This was a natural segue into Star Trek. Thank you, Sasha, for it. Put my foot in it. She was in Star Trek. Let's talk about Star Trek now. This is a Star Trek podcast. Did you know she was in Star Trek? She got killed by Tar. Cliff, you're going to warn me about these things. Like, I know you didn't know I was going to bring up Picard, but nonetheless, I'd appreciate a heads up. But yeah, no, it was very. It's. It was minimalistic and wonderful. And what I loved about it in kind of horror movie terms, I haven't really seen that much before, is that, you know, how in horror movies, generally people get attacked and they weirdly defend themselves quite well, even though they've never been attacked before. Mm. And they like, I would be physically useless in an altercation. And I know that about myself. What I loved about the characters that were that were like the innocent people we're following is that they were shit. Like, their best weapon was a fire extinguisher because they didn't have to aim or do anything. I made a little mental note, be like, Sasha, if attacked, find fire extinguisher. Like, you need AOE. You need you need to cover anything in foam and then run away. That's it. That's all you've got. So really, I really liked Green Room. Green Room was amazing. Um, and what did... I'm really undecided about this one. Um, the Invitation. Okay, yeah. Have you watched The Invitation? I have, yes. Okay. I mean, I don't really enjoy American hipstery indie films. They're really unlikable people in them, and they've, they've just got this vibe about them that 
rubs me out the wrong way. I don't think you're but... supposed to like them, though. I like, I like characters you're not supposed to like. I'm fine with that. What got me about the invitation is the fact that every single person, and once you see this, you can't see it, every single person in it looks like someone famous, but is not famous. Like, it's like they hired a bunch of doppelgangers. Like, the main dude looks like Tom Hardy. Like, spitting image. Like, ridiculously. Like, like, and it's clearly like they couldn't get the budget for the people they wanted. It's one of those films where I'm watching it going, I know how this could have been good. I remember enjoying it the first time, but the second time, I think when you know what's going on, it doesn't have as mm. big of an impact. It's not one of those films that you can watch. Um, Without spoiling it, that final shot was quite cool. Yeah, yeah. No, that is, it was that like is. it was such a simple reveal, and it only took about three seconds. And you go, ah, oh, and it just makes it so much more open world. And it's been stuck in this house for this whole time, and it's it's that's there were really good ideas, I think, in it. But overall, it was just a bit weird. Um, Emily, I'm going to go with two highs because I need positivity. First up, uh, a month behind everyone else, I finally got to go and see Men. Really, really liked it. It's proper messed up. My friend had to immediately sprint out of the cinema when the opening credits were on because it really disturbed him. And I told another friend what happened at the end because he asked me and he just laughed for 10 minutes. So make that <laughs> what you will. It's mad. But the one thing I would say, and I think you guys said this last month, is it would have been better if there were slightly more practical effects in there. Mm. but that's just because if there's like gooey body horror work well it was particularly gooey which is probably just as well well that's the problem isn't it it's, it's not gooey enough it needs they should have just like sprayed some ky jelly around and then it would have been would have been better but <laughs> story of your life Emily. <laughs> anything's better with ky jelly right well like... yeah not ice cream though um well, depends <laughs> on what you're doing depends where you're putting it where are you putting the ice cream emily um not even in this heat. Don't do it. <laughs> Didn't they actually issue a public health warning a couple of years ago and there was a heat wave about not yeah. sticking ice lollies up your foo-foo? Really? Yeah. Are you not supposed to? Did it again You're this definitely year. Not supposed they to, definitely yeah. did again. They only said ice lollies, though. They didn't mention calippo, yeah. so that's all I'm saying. <laughs> they also didn't say foo-foo. They didn't say foo-foo. No, they said cunts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they said at the front of the sun, they were like, don't put a zoom up your cunt. You silly twats, is what it said. <laughs> I saw a sitcom recently where uh, the character had recently given birth and they made her husband freeze a glove full of water and then put the icy like finger of the glove up her... Oh, that's just irresponsible, isn't it? But that, like a doctor in the sitcom told them to do that. That's plain water, though. Oh, is the juice the problem? So not the ice, it's the fact that it's juice. Okay. What about, like, the round trees fruit pastels? Because I swear in the 90s, he used to be French sexy man who did the adverts for those. So surely those should be okay to put up your bum. Uh, well, I didn't pastels. say anything about bum, to be fair. Yeah, do you know the round cheese, the round cheese food best of lollies, and it was Eurotrash guy who did the advert. Look, is this what happened to you in the um, Fear Street shop? Oh, yeah, the, the fruit pastels pedo. What, just because I got given a, a pack of fruit pastels out of a hole in the floor? Yeah, exactly. I didn't get touched, I just got a poster. You got touched. <laughs> and he doesn't want to talk about it, okay? No. <laughs> Are you other high, Emily? My other high is a rewatch, but one of the movies we are going to talk about because it's one of our um, one of our main features reminded me of it a little bit, and that is from 1967, The Sorcerers, directed by Michael Reeves, who did um, Witchfinder General. Mm. Uh, I think he only did three movies because he died very very young. But it's kind of an interesting one where you've got the older generation meets the swinging London generation, except the older generation in this case uh, represented by a very very old and very very brilliant performance from Boris Karloff, 
And also oh. Catherine Lacey, who is a very underrated character actress. If you watch any kind of like British films from like the 50s or so on, you're just like, oh, yeah, it's her. She usually plays like the sort of scary conniving maid or something like that. But in this, she's got a, a main role. And basically an elderly couple have found a way to control people's minds. So they control a, a young man's mind while he's going around all the, the groovy clubs of swinging London and enjoying himself um, dancing with ladies with short skirts. And inevitably it all gets a bit killy. And a bit sad. Ooh, I'll give that a go. I'll put that on my watch list. Sounds cool. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. I like it. Well, I, I haven't seen anything new because I've had two weeks of holidays. I haven't really had a chance to watch much, really. So I've got two lows. One is Mad God, which, um, Luke, you had your high a while back. Phil Tippett's mostly animated thing, 33 years in the making. I don't know, is it like a creationism story? I'm not really sure. Um, it's very abstract. There's some great design in it. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of bodily fluids. About halfway through, though, um, it starts to go a bit more live action and quite anti-Semitic, I thought. There's lots of kind of Nazi-like Jewish caricatures, sinister figures in big hats and big noses and claws counting their money in the shadows and things like that. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that. Um, and too long for something without any plot. I got bored. I did actually see that, but I was half asleep and half mad from it being too hot to actually sleep. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I kind of agree with you, but I do love weird motion animation, so I think... What I might do is rewatch it, but watch it in like 10 minute bursts because like something like that that is plotless, it needs to have a bit more to it to um, hold my attention for um, an hour and 20 or whatever it is. Yeah, it might not be a bad idea because I also found that the opening is so disgusting mm. that you quickly get desensitised to all the horrible stuff. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of stuff that they used to show on Channel 4 at 2am. Right. Except those bits would only be five minutes long, but they'd in stick the formation in your brain forever. Strand. Yeah, exactly. I haven't seen it, but it reminds me of the worker and parasite bit from The Simpsons. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, and my other low is... <laughs> Don't laugh at my contribution, Luke. That was a valid contribution. I just love that Cliff just goes, yep, and just... I mean, I don't know anything about The Simpsons, do I? I don't watch The Simpsons. Oh, grow up. Don't watch The Simpsons. I hate Americans. No, it was just... I saw Cliff tense up. Like, oh, no, she's mentioned one of the band's topics. <laughs> I've already done Star Trek. You guys have such weird in-jokes. I love them. I do. I love them. But, like, we've banned Star Treks and The Simpsons here. Incest and rape is fine. So Brian is personal obsessions. There's things Brian he likes to talk about that Cliff doesn't like to hear about. <laughs> if you do the third one, um, one of us has to shout house. <laughs> Them's the rules. All right. Um, my other low is a Canadian film from 2001 called Slashers, or as we call 13 Ghosts, 13 and Ghosts. Um, it's actually called Dollar Lad, Dollar Her Dollar. Can <laughs> <laughs> you say that again, please? Dollar, dollar had, dollar, no, I can't. Dollar lad, dollar her, dollar. That sounds like a rapper. Yeah. It's about a Japanese game show, uh, which is one of those kind of running man type things where people go in and they have to not get killed by the three slashers on the set. And it's a special edition with six Americans uh, who say things like a boot because they're definitely American. <laughs> the guys that play the slashers, there's three slashers, only two blokes play them. One of them doubles up. The other guy is an actor called Christopher Piggins. Which I wonder if that was a, <laughs> a typo on the contract. <laughs> you know how I said I'm borderline hysterical from being stressed at work? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I think it would have been amazing if Christopher, actual Christopher Biggins had been in it. 
<laughs> playing a cool American dude who's like... No, no, he's playing one of the killers. Playing a slasher. Oh, Hello, be, uh, I'm going to kill you now. Because Christopher Piggins is a British actor <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I might just say Christopher Piggins over and over yeah. again until Emily bursts. Oh, God. No. He'd be crap at hiding, though, because you could hear him chuckling ages before he actually finished him. Oh, my God. No, Christopher Piggins would be like hiding behind a lamp with the lampshade on his head going, you can't yeah. see me. I'm going to stab you shortly. Bye. Um, yeah, but the, the six guys who play the, uh, the contenders are fucking awful, and it's just horrible to watch because they're so boring. I used to always see it in Poundland. That's the only place I've yeah. ever seen that sold slashes is is Poundland. Uh, does not surprise me. And it's probably because the dollars in the uh, title, they thought, oh, perfect. Great crossover branding. But it's got two dollars, so it should be two pounds. It's got three. Ah, dollar, wow. dollar, her dollar. They can only be in shops that specify what's in the title. So there has to be a three pound shop <laughs> that just sells that and nothing else, <laughs> depending on the exchange rate at the time. Okay, well, we've got about a dozen certifiable surgeons to assess, so we'd better crack on and meet them. Late one night in a science lab, drinking 27 cans of monster rehab. And our first feature is a film directed by Robert Hartford Davis in 1967 called Corruption. Run. 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 You can't escape the shock. The terror of corruption. I'm afraid she's losing her mind. Have you thought about that? No, please, please, we are alone. I'll call the police. I'll tell them you're mad. Who do you think they'll believe? You or me? Where will the bodies turn up next? Under a car seat? In a valise? <laughs> or in a deep freeze? No woman will dare go home alone after seeing corruption. Therefore, no woman will be admitted alone to this super shocker. A respected surgeon's younger girlfriend is disfigured at a groovy swinging 60s London party, so he invents a way to fix her face. But to get fresh skin tissue, he has to resort to murder. So our first mad scientist is Sir John Rowan. His plan is get in pituitary glands and his motivation is his girlfriend's face is fucked. <laughs> now, obviously, only me and Luke were able to watch this one. So uh, should we just go down the pub and talk about it there? Leave the little ladies to... Oh, oh fuck you. you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've seen what's happened there. He's done a joke. Look, I like how Luke went full on Essex lad there. Yeah, it's only a lads movie. Right. So long as you were chaperoned by men, you were allowed to see this movie from my research, according to my uh, sure. three seconds of research. That seems to be what they're saying in the trailer, which would suggest that maybe a lot of men chose this as a date movie because they were like, well, she's not going to go home on her own after this. It's a different time, mate, a different time. In the trailer, does it, like, where's the next body going to be under a car? In a fleece? In a valise. Valise. What's a valise? Suitcase. Suitcase. Oh! oh. Is that what the song Felice Navidad? Is that what that means? Felice Navidad. <laughs> Happy suit. Yeah, it means Christmas suitcase. They always sh That's what they do in Spain. They just shout Christmas suitcase. Oh my God, I want a Christmas suitcase. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> well, you know what to ask Santa for then, don't you? It's so easy to identify at the airport. <laughs> Felice Navidad. I know this is the wrong takeaway from this film, but it made me really appreciate 60s fashion. 
I was like, I want to get a nice dress. I want to go on a cool train. Like, it didn't make me not want to go home alone at night. It made me want to get, like, a shorter skirt. And I don't think that's the right takeaway from this film. The fashion in this is great. Um, So beautiful, right? Really? I mean, it was the lady who was a nutcase. Yeah, it was totally Lady. She was Lady Macbething so hard. The lady's the scariest thing here, yeah. I've never been a Mad Cane fan of Peter Cushing, but I think he's amazing in this. I love seeing him all insane. <laughs> yeah, his hair all over the place. Just very sweaty. He does yeah. sweaty really well, and he does sort of proper mad killing, like rage, primal rage, really like, well. Like the POV thing, that's the that's yeah. what gets you. And the thing mm. is, right, this is what I really wanted to know. Was he really sweating that profusely, or was there like a special lady just misting him constantly? <laughs> Because that would be like, that would be a fun thing to put on a CV. Like, oh, I missed it, Peter Cushion. Like, I I missed it him good. That's what Rogue One was missing. Rogue One was missing the mist of sweat. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you want to hear my acting fact? I've got a really good yeah, Oh, yeah, go for mm-hmm. it. Hold on to your hat. Brian's acting fact. Okay, so Peter Cushing, great man. So he was in 1986. In Star Wars, yeah. Shut up. Sci-fi, but we're talking about it. But, so, one of the last films Peter Cushing did was Top Secret of Val Kilmer. Yes. And, yeah, and the, the joke was he had a massive eye, so they had to do, a, a, like, a full head cast of that. And then, obviously, he did a die. Um, and then Rogue One got made, and they were like, oh, we need a computer Peter Cushing. So they used the mask from Top Secret to build the CGI but obviously with like a normal sized eye and uh, that's Amazing. my acting fact yeah that is actually quite a good that acting is good. fact and Thank also you. it's been years since i've seen top secret and i remember really liking it so anyway it's, it's incredible to see peter cushing doing this scene with his topless prostitute who like all 60s prostitutes call their client dear you yeah. come over here dear <laughs> what are you doing dear you can't leave dear get yourself a drink dear she was so grumpy <laughs> I was like, oh, how do you get people in the mood when they're, you're that grumpy? <laughs> I don't want to criticise the lovely sex worker. I want to be encouraging. But also, I just don't know who's going to be that in the mood if she's she's bullying them out of their clothes. And again, I'm very sad she's dead. I'm, I'm bummed about that. I want to, I want to really emphasise that bit. You'd be a great manager of sex workers. You're going, now, you're, you're doing well, you're getting the numbers, but you are a bit grumpy mm. when you see the lads. And you are bullying them, naked. As long as you don't make it like working in Lush, where it's like you don't get a bonus if you're not smiling all the time. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing in Lush. Yeah, a friend of mine worked there and was slightly traumatised by that because they were the grumpiest person ever. Um, but um, I was going to say that the answer to who her clients were probably drunk men who it was either um, screw one of these ladies or fuck a paving slab. And that was an undignified thing to do in 1968. So they... Why are those the only two options, Emily? I don't understand. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed the girl at the party. Oh, oh she was great. excellent. Yeah, she was great. Yeah. She was in some carry-on films, Alexandra Dane. Yeah, because it's very much like, oh, what? oh what's pottage? Oh, no, I pissed myself. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> are you a doctor? I'm a hippie. Isn't it funny? <laughs> I love the photographer as well. That was like full-on like Austin oh, Powers type oh, stuff. Oh, it was amazing. He's like, that's it, baby. Be really kinky. And she has to like show him a shoulder. And I'm like, is that kinky? Yes. So the photographer is, of course, Tony Booth, Tony Blair's father. Of course, yeah, yeah. I love him in everything I've ever seen him in. He's so good. Was the director? 
director of this film just furious with the cool scene of the 60s or something? Because anybody who was meant to be remotely cool in that film came off as being fucking annoying <laughs> and like awful. It's like somebody making a really hipster hating film now, mm. like where all the hipsters are really like nasal and dickish. Well, at the end, when the hippie gang turn up. Oh, what, Discount Clockwork Orange? We've got Roisin Connolly. Han Solo, Dr. Evil, and John Lennon, who's weirdly dressed like Captain Birdseye. That's the, that's the hippie gang. The guy who crushes apples, does he look exactly like Adrian Edmondson to anyone? I could kind of see that, actually, yeah. I don't know if it's to do with what he looks like or if it's to do with a particular kind of vibe, the early 80s Adrian Edmondson. I've never been scared of Adrian Edmondson, and now I'm a little bit scared of Adrian (laughs) Edmondson, but only if he's holding an apple. Bob Mortimer does that apple trick these days, doesn't he? Tearing an apple in half with his bare hands. Is that meant to be quite intimidating? Is that (laughs) Not the way Bob Mortimer does it. I didn't didn't offend Bob Mortimer. I don't know if Bob Mortimer is like, right, I've got to toughen up. This is 2022. The world is on fire. I've got to start tearing apples with my hands. That's how I'm going to do it. But when he does it, everyone just goes, oh, Bob, what a legend. Anyway, the film... In general, what a film. I love the jazz soundtrack. Oh yeah, that was cool. Completely out of place, but the um, it's it's perfect. You say for that, it. but isn't it like ahead of its time? Because like so many Jali a few years later would have a jazz mm. soundtrack. Like you are that. right, yeah. But the chase scene was just ridiculous. Yeah, that chase over the cobbles on the beach. I mean, it's oh, so yeah. awkward, isn't it? Because it's all covered in seaweed. The thing that bothers me about the chase in the most is they keep focusing on that one rock, and I'm like, mm. are they focused on it because someone's about to slip? And no one ever does. Because they've spent ages getting the tripod steady on those fucking pebbles. And the director's like, fuck off, am I moving this? Just do the running. Play the jazzy music. But Cushing does slip. And I thought, oh no, yeah. he's going to hurt his old man's back. He slips further back. He doesn't slip on the bit they keep focusing on. Thinking about the, the soundtrack to this film, we've ever seen The Tenth Victim. So if you enjoyed the jazzy tones of this film, you'll bloody love the jazzy tones of The Tenth Victim. They must have just loved jazz and horror in the 60s. Well, they did. Mm-hmm. It's enough Shelley. And uh, it's 10th Victims, an Italian film. Mm-hmm. And this has got very Italian vibes in a way. It really does. It does the whole twist and reveal. like Because it starts with, like, it's going to be Peter Cushing who's going to be your, your main badden. And then it's actually What's-Her-Face going, meh, meh, meh. I mean, he's the one who chops women's heads off. Yeah, but she's encouraging it. God, bloody hell. I know, I'm such an apologist, aren't I? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if the message of the film is like, bitches be crazy, but that's the vibe I was getting, and I'm, I'm on board with it this time. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the soundtrack, it made me not think about the misogyny. Just keep looking at the poster to remind yourself of the misogyny. <laughs> <laughs> the poster that, aside from the misogyny, also gives away the fucking ending, kind of. Well, so does the alternative title, Laser Killer. doesn't that come out of nowhere though and isn't it brilliant yeah that is brilliant there's a lot of stuff that completely comes out of nowhere with this film it's quite um the random madness like that kind of reminds me of the sort of jello as well but there's also the eccentricity makes it very much a british film i suppose the sailor was my favorite part yeah what was that oh hello governor it's my bloody stop (laughs) <laughs> it's like that one guy's big break he was like i have one line i'm gonna say it in every single way i can but at the same time <laughs> but it was proper weird because they're on that train from seaford to brighton like there's this random naval guy there's no naval bases at sea of yeah <laughs> maybe he's gonna change go portsmouth you mean no because it would have changed before <laughs> lewis i thought i was the one that picked up films too much 
No, no. He would have got up at Morsecube. <laughs> There's nothing in Morsecube apart from Big Asta. So, what the fuck? Maybe he's going to a fancy dress party. Okay, guys, I can solve this. What if he just lives in Brighton or Lewis or Morscombe or wherever it is he lives and he's coming back from duty, okay? And he's got his bag. Sailors live in places, Briny. I stand no, by it. Why do they wear their uniform all the time? It's stupid. They're not village people. They do, though. They do. They wear it. No, no. Yes, they do. They do. I knew a guy that was a sailor and he went to his local gay bar for a pint and literally the barman came up to him and went, it's not fetish night, mate. So he just worn his <laughs> uniform out. So, you know. And, Bryony, as your mate Michael M. pointed out in that music video he did, Tim Peake wears his spacesuit on Earth. True. So. <laughs> Tim Peake does wear a spacesuit on Earth. And then he gets off at Laundry Road and he's like, Cool, blimey, I've missed my spot. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to go off at the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Sasha, you got any uh, more to add? Yeah, I thought I thought it was it was better than it had any right to be, and I specifically enjoyed watching it as a lady not allowed to watch it. I think it's reverse <laughs> psychology. I think it's the whole Yorkies aren't for girls thing. Yeah. I want to know whether women went to this in droves. How was it received? If I ever rewatch this film, I'm going to do so whilst eating a Yorkie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like get a bick for a man yeah. and like just all the all the stuff that we're not allowed. Mm. Oh, that was the thing that bothered me. You know, the young doctor who just sort of lets him take the hypothalamus. If one of your colleagues just went through a traumatic experience, right, and you're a doctor and they were like, I'm just going to have this little bit of a dead body. Bye. Like, wouldn't you be like, bup, 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 bup. bring it back. Bring it, come back here. I think there's really good class tension there because that younger doctor is clearly yeah. posher than Peter Cushing's mad scientist. So I think there's a bit of tension about who's really got the upper hand in that. Is it a bit of a dad's army type situation? Only, yeah. Only with yeah, a bit, yeah. Of, bit of someone's dead body. Yeah. And then the, the whole miracle with the face and the younger doctor's like, I guess we're just putting dead people into living people now. Don't worry about it. Why <laughs> mm. did it have to be young, hot women? Why couldn't he have got literally anybody else's pituitary gland? Surely he should have been testing people's like blood type and stuff. Not like, ooh, have they got nice breasts? <laughs> like, that's not how medicine works. There probably was a deleted scene that um, explains that. It was like, no, you see, the lady's hotness is contained yeah, within yeah, this yeah. particular gland. <laughs> She's got to be a 10. Otherwise, yeah. your hot wife can't take her. Uh, her organs have a good day <laughs> if you chop the sailor's head off then uh, she might have grown a funny moustache and yeah, start smoking yeah, a pipe yeah. <laughs> good stuff uh, corruption is essentially one of several more graphic takes on one of the key mad scientist texts yes I did say texts I have a media studies degree that <laughs> text being Georges Franju's 1959 film Les Sans Visage Eyes Without a Face and in this one the mad scientist is Dr. Genessier uh, his evil plan is a face transplant and his motive is his daughter's face is fucked. <laughs> I liked this. I watched like three in a row today and the motive is all plastic surgery based. So I watched Corruption followed by Eyes of No Face. Eyes of No Face. Yeah. <laughs> Les Year Effect Non Face. I mean, the bit with the uh, face being peeled off, that's very good for mm. 1959. It was just jam. Yeah, but the magic of black and white is you can get away with it. What I really like about this film is it's got that kind of odd, sort of poetic, sad, arty thing going on. Mum was dropping off bodies and it was like... Oh yeah, the music is a little bit jaunty for what's going on. 
<laughs> yeah, it's the sort of thing you'd imagine would be like, well, like a sort of French silent comedy about people farting on each other and <laughs> starring Jim Broadband. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I think the most shocking thing about this film is the fucking absolute state of the detective work. Oh yeah, that's what I was going to say. Why, when everything is right in front of him, he just completely misses all of it? Because he's French detective, he just wants to fuck. He's like, what should I do with my small shoplifting girl? He's like, you tell her, but you get her address. My PND, eh? You could fuck her. Sorry, was it Sir Gansburg? It is. Yeah, and they get the shoplifter girl to be bait for the killer, mm. the suspected killer. Send her off to his place. And then they forget to keep an eye on her and just like hope for the best. <laughs> oh, what happened to her? Huh. I don't know. Maybe I'll fuck her later. Maybe I'll let her get killed. If all the police are Serg Gansburg, when you ring the police station there and you ask if anyone speaks English, you get a guy on the phone going, I want to fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Have you committed crime? Press one. You want to fuck? Press <laughs> and there's the interesting case study in this film of the little boy who sees one less thing than there actually is. When the doctor's holding up four fingers and he says, Twa, and then he's holding up three fingers, he says, Duh, I don't know what's actually wrong with him. But... No, I just thought he was being a dick, but in a very <laughs> deadpan way. <laughs> Why does the doctor take off his glasses and pretty much put the same glasses back on? <laughs> it's acting, Luke. It's called acting. He just takes them off puts them back in the case, then takes them back out and puts them back on. We have and... very little props in France. We spent all our budget on fucking. <laughs> <laughs> all right, within a couple of years of Eyes Without a Face coming out, Jesus Franco would make his first horror movie and indeed apparently Spain's first ever horror movie, The Awful Dr. Orloff. Uh, in this one, uh, the mad scientist is Dr. Orloff. The, his evil plan is skin grafts. And his motivation is his daughter's face is fucked. <laughs> I'm beginning to spot a theme here, Cliff. <laughs> when is the awful Dr. Orloff meant to be set? Because the policing seems quite modern, yet yeah? like everyone's going around in horse-drawn carriages and there's like Victorian London harlots going, oh, dearie. 2046. <laughs> in the future, that is the style. Um, they were going for like a sort of a year standard kind of universal hammer kind of aesthetic but maybe after a while they were like oh we haven't got the cop uniforms let's just play it by ear yeah i think that's exactly what happened it's very much got a vibe this movie of well this is what we're going to try and do and we'll, we'll do our best with it i mean it doesn't go off to a strong start when like the first time we meet the uh, policeman he's telling his fiance who she is what her name is <laughs> <laughs> mr exposition drop here mm. like, um, I mean, I think it is an awful film. I think it's really boring. It's annoying that it has an interesting story, but it is just really, really bland. Also, his skin grafts he's doing, they're not like full facial or anything. They're just bits of skin. He could ask for volunteers. No need to get some great big lunky bug-eyed man to murder people. He's in Spain. Why doesn't he just go at the tapas bar? Get some little thin <laughs> what, bits of... What, put some patatas bravas on her No, face. I was thinking of a little thin bits of um, meat. Some chorizo? Yeah, some chorizo, yeah. Maybe a sardine instead of a nose. Or clams. I had a clam recently. Oh, they're long. Clam transplant. No, just just in my face. What you said? They're long. They are. <laughs> they are. I had a clam at a tapas place, and it was like oh, that's not what I thought a clam would be. Because it was just super they long. Were... Yeah. They're just like they're long. They've got little like penis heads at the end. Wow. Are you sure they weren't prawns? 
No, they're long and straight and have a little penis end and they come in long shells. Sasha? Yeah? Is that how clams long and penis shaped? I, I don't know how I became the authority on clams, but I don't believe so, no. <laughs> sort of more like independent adjudicator. Wait, maybe they weren't clams. I don't think they're clams, my friend. I think they are either, like, maybe scampi, because sometimes the way no, scampi is cooked. No, Spanish, and the Spanish man was like, eat the long penis thing. <laughs> clams come in a little shell, like they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're shellfish. I, they can't be long and penis shaped. Sorry. I'm just, sorry, I'm just Googling long... You're just Googling long penis. <laughs> and what are you hoping to achieve? <laughs> I Googled long penis and saw a long penis. No, I, been I, so I if you Googled long penis and got a shellfish, that is worrying. Like, your cookies are all <laughs> over the place, mate. I Googled long seafood <laughs> shell and I got razor shell clams. And they're long. And look, I didn't watch this film, but I know what a razor shell clam is. So it's a particular type of clam that's long and penisy. I got very bad salmonella off a razor clam once. Oh, really? It hasn't put me off them because they're nice. They do look like a penis though, don't they? No, they look like tubes. Well, they've got a little head at the end. <laughs> anyway. The actor Howard Vernon, moving on, would reprise his role as Dr. Olaf a number of other times after that film, including an unexpected cameo appearance in Franco's own Faceless from 1987. So, Faceless, the mad scientist, is Dr. Flamand, but also Dr. Moser. Their evil plan is facial grafting and their motivation is Dr. Flamand's sister's face is fucked. <laughs> Uh, so this one stars Euro horror legend Helmut Berger, which is also the name of the chewiest thing on the menu at McDonald's. Yay. That sounds like an insult, you fucking Helmut Berger. <laughs> um, I, I really liked Faceless. It was ridiculous 80s distasteful camp nonsense. French sex film. Yeah, basically. There's some camp bitchery going on. Couldn't really tell you what the plot was. There's some skin grafts and some sex and... Lots of gore. Lots of gore and a very cheesy song that kept repeating throughout. Oh, yeah, yeah. The groovy music was great. They clearly told the guy, like, this is what the film's called. And he'd not seen it or knew what it was about. So he's just <laughs> faceless people come out at night. This is a very loose remake of Eyes Without a Face. But I found this a lot more fun. I, th I just think it's down to the English dubbing, how hilariously bad it is, especially the uh, fight scene where... A man gets kicked in the balls and then just makes the most ridiculous noise for a good two minutes. What noise does he make? Uh, I've not seen it, so I need Do to the noise, noise Luke. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have to see it. Great. That was a sort of 70s, 80s thing, because I'm pretty sure that there's a James Bond film where a villain gets kicked in the balls and makes a similar kind of noise. What's the guy with the top hat? Abraham Lincoln. Odd job. Is it odd job that throws his hat? Yeah. He gets kicked in the balls in one of the movies and makes a very weird noise as well. There must be like a sort of ball-kicking equivalent of the Wilhelm scream that was doing the rounds. <laughs> <laughs> Jess Franco made over 200 films, and this is like quite a competent one for all its faults. And so much of his filmography is absolutely the most laziest bullshit. Such a shame. If only he'd concentrated a bit more on not just zooming into his girlfriend's arse. In his spare time. I'm pretty sure he was a second unit director for Orson Welles at one point in the 60s. Yeah. Chimes at Midnight. Chimes at Midnight. Yeah. You're quite right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, how random is that? So he had the filmmaking skills and would literally make anything. He also made a film called Lulu's Talking Ass. Whoa. What? Yes. You might well say what? I'm just bringing up 1986, Lulu's Talking Ass. 
The plot is basically that Lulu's ass is getting jealous because her vagina is getting all the attention. What? That's the sort of film he usually made. Hmm. And that's a fe- that's not a short. That's a, no, feature. That's a feature film starring his wife. <laughs> Has he got other people in it, or is it literally just her arguing with her foo foo and her bum? It's got a small cast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's. Uh, I was going to say moving away from facial transplants, but we've kind of moved smoothly <laughs> into the next film, Argentina, 1967. For one of my, I shouldn't be watching this on the train incidents. Mm-hmm. A film called <laughs> The Curious Doctor Hump. So in this one, the mad scientist called Dr. Hump, well, he's controlled by a brain in a jar. His evil plan is to get some sort of sex juice out of human brains. And his motivation, not really sure. Perhaps he's just not happy with the sex he's been having. Isn't it that he's that he's going to die if he doesn't get all the sex juice? Isn't that what it's meant to be? Something along those lines. Yeah, Argentinian sex film. This is the sort of thing where if you went to sort of certain clubs in the 90s and early 2000s that played like sort of obscure kind of 60s soundtrack kind of music they'd Mm. sometimes put a movie on with no sound this is the kind of thing you'd have on there and it would work really really well because it looks really nice and you've got a lot of sexy people in their underwear and you see some bums and it looks quite arty (laughs) but to actually watch it is quite (sighs) tedious the assembly bar used to do that in edinburgh like and and it was it was weird they just used to project these random movies with mm. semi-naked people in black and white on the walls for no reason with no sound or context the only time i went to the assembly bar there was a big floater in the bog and i thought this place isn't very nice and went somewhere better <laughs> <laughs> i don't think we can blame assembly for that might have been one of the staff members speculation at this point i don't think we can conclusively prove that it was a staff member as much as i'd love to open that investigation and take this podcast in that direction from mm. now on it could be like a sort of serial style true crime. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's true crime <laughs> poo crime very good next film we're doing this film first oh god well this film was just pretty much a porno but with a paper mache man thrown in so it wasn't yeah. just sex the whole way through. Apparently this film got some protests when it was released in Argentina because it made Buenos Aires look seedy. <laughs> it's another one that's got a weird depiction of like 60s counterculture because the people that are all like having a big sexy party at the start are all clearly meant to be sort of hippie beatnik types. So the dub's got them going, oh yeah, man, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, if anyone says the word groovy, I'm just going to be like, nah, I'm switching this off. This is not. Now let's make it really kinky. Show me that shoulder. <laughs> um, perhaps surprisingly, we haven't watched many movies at all where the mad scientist is driven by his libido. But thankfully, we live in a world that has Paul Verhoeven in it. And he's gifted us a horny Kevin Bacon in Hollow Man. <laughs> oh, so this one's got the mad scientist uh, Sebastian Kane. His evil plan is invisibility and his motive is a Nobel Prize and rape. Yeah. Um, it's a bit of a jaw dropper, this one, isn't it? It's fucking it terrible. Is. I forgot how bad this was because I remember maybe not getting it as a child, I guess, because I watched it now and I was like, oh, it's just, it's literally just rape. It's just killing a dog and rape. Mm, it's horrible. It's really horrible. And for ages, it was like, you only saw one boob at a time. I don't know if it was like a, a, a classification thing, but it was only ever one tit. Very classly done, one tit. And then when he gets to full rape, it's like, oh, no, there's both tits. I can't tell if you're complaining there. It's like, oh, I hate this film. It's full of rape. It objectifies women and you only see one tit at a time. Do you think like one tit is kind of slightly more naked than two tits? Like, I feel like, you know how somebody's just bottomless? Like they've got a top on, but they're just bottomless and somehow they have more cock. I feel like just one tit 
is somehow more tits than both tits. Like that one shouldn't be out. Whereas both out, you're like, they're out. Yeah, I think it might have been a ratings thing. You know, like there's rules about... Um, how many fucks you can have. How many fucks you, you can have in a, yeah. a 12A and you can say it, but only if it's not used aggressively or used in a sexual context. So basically mm-hmm. if someone falls over and says fuck... That's okay. And if invisible Kevin Bacon is getting one tit out, it's fine. Yeah. Two tits, too much. But then you can show a rape scene because it progresses the story. But don't have 25 nipples, have 22. <laughs> exactly. There's someone watching it with a clipboard going, nah, that's, that's too much. That was me when I watched it actually just going, yep, nip, nip. We've done that thing where I say some nonsense and we get distracted from the actual plot of the film. The Invisible Man is kind of a weird story and it's quite a difficult one to film. But I was thinking, okay, how bad can this be? Kevin Bacon's fun, Paul Verhoeven, even if he's got like the trashiest stuff to work with, his films normally have something. I'm not expecting this to be like Robocop, but with invisible sex pervert Kevin Bacon, but it could at least be better than this. And the CGI looks so bad. That's the only thing I don't like about it. I do really like this film. Really? Why? Yeah, because I, 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 I like Paul Verhoeven being unsubtle and I, just making naughty films, really. <laughs> it's absolutely batshit thinking that the same guy who made Benedetta made this. No, it's not. It's all from the same perverted mind. Yeah, but it just makes more sense with Benedetta. With this, it's just Kevin Bacon going, honk, honk. That's literally all it is. Yeah, and then some really, really bad CGI gorilla and something horrible happening to a dog. The CGI is so bad. And the most painful thing about it is when you see that short film of the failed experiment with the gorilla that sort of turned itself inside out or whatever, and that's real proper effects. Mm. I was like, oh, you could have done it. You had the effects guy there. That's Tom Rudriff did that. Mm. And it looks brilliant. So why CGI for all these other invisibility effects? It looks so bad. I will say that the CGI, when he's wearing the mask, once he is invisible. Oh, yeah, that is fucking good. incredible. Yeah, it's, it's decent, I guess. But it's just, I could handle this being kind of boundary pushing if it actually genuinely had a sense of fun about it. And for me, it really doesn't. I find it quite sort of nihilistic. This guy is an absolute dick. Okay, fine. I mean, what actor doesn't want to play a character who is an absolute dick? That would be great. But just the script is so bad and it's just relentless. I hated it. Well, let's move away from rapey Kevin Bacon and back to the more innocent days of 1932, where in Island of Lost Souls, we get a normal, everyday, all-American hero who just wants to fuck a woman who's actually a genetically modified panther. (laughs) <laughs> so in Island of Lost Souls the mad scientist is Dr Moreau his evil plan is to speed up evolution and make animals and plants become more human and his motivation is to create a better world or something I'm not really sure it's really unclear with him isn't it <laughs> it's Marlon Brando covered in pseudocrime going wrong film what we're talking about Island of Lost Souls oh okay sorry I heard Island and I got really excited did anyone get really excited about Island of Lost Souls? No, it is. It's um... all right. I was perturbed to start with because the um, when I first saw, Char- I mean, I've seen Charles Lawton in other stuff, but in this he looks a bit like uh, Peter Kay. Oh, I thought so he looked like a... Colonel Sanders crossed with Hitler. <laughs> yeah, well, I think most men did at that time, didn't they? It's the 30s. It's, it's not bad. It's got a bit of a kind of slightly forgettable rainy Sunday afternoon vibe to it. Mm. But The Island of Dr. Moreau is quite a mad book. So I think if you were going to film it at all, it would have to be animation. This makes a kind of a decent-ish effort, but, you know, I, I watched it relatively recently and I've already kind of forgotten it, so... Yeah. yeah. All right, well, then there's uh, a more recent adaptation. Uh, John Frankenheimer's troubled 1996 production called The Island of Dr. Moreau. Uh, where the mad scientist is Dr. Moreau. His plan is to splice animal and human DNA, and his motivation is to create a higher form of species that doesn't cause harm. 
I got weirdly obsessed with this film when I was like a child. Uh-huh. Like I watched it and and I I was like convinced it was not real, but I was I was really young. I was really really young, <laughs> but I was like, oh my god, this is a thing now. It fucked me up a little bit, but I was also weirdly fascinated by it. And I think it is just one of those things that's like a horror movie for kids. Like I don't think it's a horror movie for adults because it's too cartoonish and sort of weird. Whereas kids are like shit. That's interesting because it was cut from an R8 into a PG-13 to give yeah. it a more. And according to the website DVD Compare, one of the bits of violence that was cut is in the life raft scene where Edward's being attacked by another guy and it says the hero beats him off with an oar. So you can imagine why they had to lots of splinters. Yeah. yeah, totally. My grandpa had to convince me that it wasn't real and it couldn't happen. It was laughingly camp and bad and I, I loved every minute. It's Marlon Brando covered in pseudochrome. It's the prototype for Dr. Evil and Mini-Me. Yeah. <laughs> like exactly the same. Was he meant to be? Is he like half worm that... I don't know. Have any of you seen Lost Souls, which was the documentary about this film? I would say maybe watch that over watching the actual movie. There was a documentary about this dumbass film? Well, because it had a really troubled production. Yeah, and the the guy that originally wanted to direct it had a very, very kind of specific, dark, twisted vision that he'd spent ages getting storyboarded and so on. And then loads and loads of stuff went wrong and there was studio interference and Marlon Brando was kind of like... It was his idea to um, the little guy make him his sidekick versus just somebody dressed up as an animal. And it was just, it was totally batshit insane, all the stuff that went on when they were trying to make it. The thing is about Lost Souls, uh, I think Richard Stanley probably lent on the director of it to make him look good and make it look like he was hard done by. Because I suspect, given that the film itself is actually quite solid... I suspect Richard Stanley was just such an asshole that they had to fire him for that reason. I think so, yeah. But his original idea was very, very overambitious. I love that they have one lady and it's just, we'll make the lady hot. I was yeah. going to say that it suffers from Smurfs syndrome, doesn't it? That <laughs> all the creatures are men apart from one. Who's weirdly hot and not very animalistic. Like everybody else quite animalistic. Mm. Her, they're like, we'll give her teeth, but everything else, keep the breasts. Whatever you do, <laughs> keep the breasts. She's played by Feruza Balk and mm. yes. um, when Ron Perlman's character runs up to her, I swear he goes, Feruza Balk? <laughs> <laughs> listen to this, listen to this. It's all right. She Bulk. says Feruza Balk. <laughs> this went so over budget and took so much longer to be made. Like literally they filmed it in like a tropical part of Australia and there were hurricanes destroying the set and everything. Probably if that is exactly what he said, they're just like, I'll just fucking leave it in. Don't care anymore. (laughs) I love that she's always played all the weird stuff. Like her face is so, she's got a lovely face, but it just speaks volumes in its facial symmetry and structure that I I feel like, like she's done some really good stuff. Oh yeah, Blair Witch 2 is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) She was in Almost Famous, which I enjoyed (laughs) for one scene. Blair Witch 2 is better than Blair Witch 1 and Marlon Brando is better in Island of Dr. Moreau than he is in The Godfather. That's my hot take. Marlon Brando is like one of my first like childhood crushes. What? Yeah, guys and dolls. Oh, young Marlon Show Brando. me, show me, shoot bullets through me. I love all my creatures. 
Like, I mean, it's <laughs> such a vast, like, jump. All right, enough with the H.G. Wells adaptations and Eyes Without a Face copies. Let's look at some more original ideas now, starting in Australia. Uh, I mean, Illinois, definitely Illinois, honest. 1981's Dead Kids, a.k.a. Strange Behaviour, and the mad scientist in this is Dr. Lasagne. His plan is mind control, and his motivation is behavioural slash population improvement by causing people to kill undesirables or themselves. I was a bit worried when this one started because uh, the opening credits said that it was edited by Petra, and I was worried that she might be Gary Doberman's mum. <laughs> a family of bad bad dog filmmakers. Um, Emily, you wanted this one added to our watch list. Is it a film you have a history with, or do you just like the idea of dead kids? <laughs> yeah, fuck them. Um, it's dead kids, a.k.a. strange behaviour, isn't it? So clearly there yeah. must have been some territories that were like, what's your film called? Dead Kids? No, let's change that. Yeah. It was called Human Experiments with the reissue in the UK as well. Really? Right. So there must yeah. have been like problems in loads of places. Oh, I don't want to see any strange behavior in my cinema thank you <laughs> so when any human experiments in our video shop fuck off with that i watched it years and years ago and it's randomly turned up on streaming and i just think it's kind of an interesting oddity i'd actually forgotten that there was kind of the scientist behind it so i was like oh yeah we've got one with a female mad scientist and we kind of do but there is a male mad scientist as well yeah i expected the twist to be you know like when there's a film where it's like a character called Dr. Acula or Lou Cipher or something like <laughs> that. I thought that Dr. Mm. Lasange was going to turn out to be an actual lasagna or something. Oh, that would be It was wonderful. Garfield the whole time. <laughs> uh, yeah, that makes sense. The thing that confused me about this the most is they throw in so many genres or mix it up a bit. Mm. And then the closing credits make you think you just watch a rom-com. Because it does like this <laughs> bright glow on everyone, just slow motion of everyone turning around with their names appearing on screen. So I that love doesn't that, fit though. with the film at all. Everything should end with that. I think that's to reveal that the actor Arthur Dignam played two characters in it. Uh, I think that's the whole point of that, mm. those end credits. You know that scene where the hero's trying to open the mausoleum with a crowbar? Mm. And I think they're aiming for suspense, but it goes on so long and just him chipping away at this thing. It's like <laughs> watching fucking Nick Knowles doing DIY SOS or something. Yeah, I think that's the scene where um, the camera's in the back of the car. And it's just the guy driving down the street for ages and mm. looking at people out the window. And they could have done like 30 seconds of that, but it goes on for a good minute and a half. Maybe it was kind of like a sort of David Lynchian kind of thing where they're like deliberately trying to create a sense of unreality by like keeping the camera on things for a bit too long. But no, I think it's just... No, they just need to extend the runtime, yeah. yeah. And how about Waldo, that high school kid? How old is he? It's like 30. Yeah, it was the style at the time though. I mean, <laughs> I loved the film Grease when I was about nine. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I love the way I say the film Grease and not I didn't like the country Grease. It can fuck right off. No, I don't understand why when they've done the West End, they've had to call it Grease the Musical. It was a musical anyway. You could have just put Grease. Why does it have to be Grease the musical? I think it's because it's closer to the film than the original stage show was. Uh, okay. Was it not a musical, the original stage show? Yeah, it yeah, was yeah, a musical, yeah. If they revived the original stage show, people would go, oh, but it's not got that song in it and it's not got this and th this happens. So they have to do it more like the film mm. these days. Oh, God, we're talking about musicals. <laughs> yeah, is this what Cliff feels like when I start talking about Star Trek? This is awful. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Most of our mad scientists so far have been pretty chilled out kind of guys, but don't worry. The next film we watched is called The Rage, and it stars Andrew Divoff from Faust and Wishmaster. The mad scientist is Dr. Victor Vasilienko. His evil plan is to turn humans into raging zombies, and his motivation is to bring down capitalism. <laughs> when everybody had a messed up face, at least we understood it. This one sounds mental. It is mental. It's like three different genres in one. It's like... 
It's zombies, it's torture porn, it's animal attacks. It's awesome. I didn't even get past the um, the titles because the titles look so cheap and I was like, yeah. oh no. Oh, it's brilliant. It's really fun. Is it? It's not briny. It's not brilliant. It's cheap and it's kind of thrown together, but it's it's really fun. It's got that kind of mad unhinged vibe. Like I messaged my mate while I was watching it because he really likes Phantasm and I was like, oh, Reggie from Phantasm's turned up in this and he's got a moustache. Oh, and now he's eating some guts and now he's dead. No, he's not. Oh, he was under a truck. <laughs> And there's, there's bad CGI vultures. Oh, no, wait. Now they're puppets. It just sounds like you've eaten too many E numbers, Emily. You've had too many sweets. I haven't had any sweets today. I might have some after this and then explode. Um. <laughs> and it's got a live performance by a new metal B-lister's Mushroom Head. Oh, I remember them. That's the thing. It's 2007, but it felt like an early 90s movie with the opening mm. credits and the music that it had in this. And before we move on to our second feature, we couldn't do this episode without talking about perhaps the maddest scientist of them all. His name is Dr. Heiter. His plan is a human centipede. And his motivation... Fuck knows. (laughs) Why does he do it? He does it because the director once told a mate that he wanted to sew somebody's mouth to somebody else's butthole and it was a phrase he used and then somehow that dude got some money. Like, that is the only reason this film ever happened. I mean, I'm, I'm glad it did. It's a good film. It is a good film. Is it though? No. It is. It's a brilliantly disgusting idea, but I... It's almost quaint these days. Come on, guys. <sighs> like, it's it's quite... It's got its charm. It's stupid it was made in the era of you know lazy sort of torture porn but at least it's torture porn with a goddamn not heart uh but um (laughs) it's different all right it's just different it is wacky and i think that the guy playing the scientist is genuinely chilling oh he's perfect yeah and the girls playing the americans play the americans so well they're so annoying (laughs) well they're apparently the only actresses who didn't leave the audition in disgust so i the the best thing about this film is watching those actors get interviewed about the film Mm -hmm. because firstly they had no idea it was going to take off oh my god secondly they're all gunning for other jobs the whole time they're like (laughs) and i really like this director barreling down the camera doing it and thirdly all of them are like yes and everybody else left the audition and then i got the job and that is their audition story so that is the only reason those people are there they have one of them return for the second film don't they yeah Yeah. Yeah, and she actually plays herself in the sequel yeah. Oh, I've not seen yeah. the sequel, I don't know. But... Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. The sequel's just a masterpiece. There was one brief thing in the original that really made me laugh, and that is before he kidnaps the truck driver at the beginning, Mad Professor Dude looks at the photo of the dog he made that was a yeah. dog centipede. It's <laughs> so funny. Is it Pugs or Rottweilers? It's he's... Rottweilers. Yeah, Rottweilers. Rottweilers. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And he goes, I sewed them together to make one giant hound. When he's giving him his little speech and it's just just insane. The, the music of this is good, though. I'll say that because I bought the soundtrack on vinyl. Because <laughs> <laughs> the music's good. So what would you do to fix the problems that uh, Dr. Heiter has with the centipede not working? I'd probably just give up and do something else. Not make the centipede feels like the obvious answer there, Cliff. And I don't think it's the one you're looking for. And your tone of voice seems to suggest that you we were like, oh, I've been thinking about this and I have the perfect solution. I, I feel like you're going to get like a diagram out and be like, ta-da! I think what you'd have to do is remove the stomach and the guts from the first two people 
and just make one long throat, essentially. But they'd die <laughs> immediately, the wouldn't they? The, I don't know if the first two would get any nutrients. Like, that's the only they'd die. Really. I think they could use laxatives because the end person doesn't get the stuff quick enough, do they? So that's why they die. I'm going to throw up. They're not getting stuff quick <laughs> enough. So um, <laughs> if they give the first person laxatives and then, I don't know, they eject, they inject laxatives into the second person, you know, mm. that would... Uh... Softer food. To go on the white diet, chicken, bread, crackers... Oh, well, like you give a really, really old dog, basically. No, yeah, or like if you're going for a colonoscopy, you have to have like the white mm. diet. Oh, yeah. And, um, Why is it called the white diet? And is that where white dog shit comes from? Yes, it is. No, it's um, it's still like white and beige. It's basically my diet, just beige food. And do they sell it at that shop called the White Company? Yeah. And then when you do a poo, you shout white power and it's all terrible. <laughs> oh, <don't>. gosh. <laughs> you don't do that, Brian. No. no? Yeah, probably don't do that. No. Especially not if you're using don't a public that. toilet. Ah, uh, that's why I'm not allowed in public toilets anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Human Enemy, what a film. I'm so, I'm so unhappy. And that's okay. <laughs> Thanks so much for being a guest on this month's podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm was enjoying it for a bit and i will again your friends i will i promise this is the thing i think like the horror movies i really like they tend to be like ooh, running but also you kind of like the characters but also like you want to know what happens and don't even need the tits i mean bonus obvs but like i don't have to have them the tits aren't a deal breaker but i i feel like there's a certain sort of style of horror movie where it's not like like yeah people die and it's scary but it's not necessarily like deeply upsetting do you know mm. what i mean that's a great segue for our final feature isn't it that was so deeply upsetting time then for our second feature or if you like the back end of our cinematic centipede <laughs> it's pedro almodovar's 2011 film the skin i live in um, I couldn't find a usable trailer for this. One of those annoying ones where it's like an art house film and they uh, don't want you to know that it's all in foreign. So there's just like some music and no dialogue. And But even the Spanish version of the trailer's like that. There's not even captions saying that only men are allowed to watch it. What's going wrong with this society? <laughs> no wonder we voted to leave. Anyway, the skin I live in. A plastic surgeon has been secretly testing his new techniques on a young, beautiful woman called Vera, who he keeps a prisoner in his home. He's already transformed her face so that she looks like his late wife, but who is she really? So our final mad scientist is Robert Ledgard. His evil plan, well, that'd be telling. And his motivation, that would also be telling. Because it's a mystery rather than a horror film, really. And the whole point is to keep you in the dark about the relationship between Robert and Vera until fairly far in. So we might well end up spoiling the big twist as we talk about it. Emily, you picked this as a feature. Yeah, I did. And I'm sorry if it's traumatised you, Sasha. It's not an out-and-out -out horror film, though. There are bits of it that obviously lean into kind of body horror type stuff, but it doesn't show anything graphic. But it is psychologically disturbing but i think it's quite an interesting take on the whole mad scientist thing i think the the story's good and um it's upsetting but it's also beautiful so sasha were you totally traumatized by it i've watched almodova films before so i mm. sort of like okay right quick quick question this might be a really dumb question and we'll probably you'll have to cut it out but what what pronouns are we using for the character because i don't understand because i feel weak yeah i don't think it matters in a film that was made in 2011 what yeah yeah but we're talking about it now so <laughs> i'm gonna go with they uh just to yeah um from the first scene it's got a very particular 
feel and you know it's gonna be fucked up mm. just all the flesh tone from the off you're like it's gonna be rough this is gonna be rough so i think it knows what it is and it does what it does very very well so it's like it's a very good film but it's just at the end i did leave it going i'm not sure what his point is <laughs> do you know what i mean like it feels like if you're gonna if you're gonna go for like he went for it it was bold right and i went what point are you trying to make here it's adapted from a novel which i've not read so i don't know what the the source material was like but i mean i've not seen like all of his movies but he does in sort of different ways quite often you watch it and go yeah 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 mm -hmm. and then you go oh, that was unsettling but this is the one that's like unsettling in a proper kind of creepy mm. way he's a bit of a provocateur i suppose isn't yeah he? like is it time me up time me down yes sure says that the abusive man is right is this, he uh... is that the one where he went down on the actress in real life when i read that i went wait i'm sorry what no we're do doing that to actors on set but, it, but then having watched this film i'm like yeah i can totally see i don't you... think they did this to the actor for real um, <laughs> no 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 i gathered that so i gathered it was a cruel film um it was a a shocking film but it wasn't a bad film I find this film disturbing in exactly the same way that I find Rosemary's Baby disturbing because it's not explicit, mm. but it is that whole idea that your body doesn't belong to you. You're being controlled by someone else mm. and that person absolutely thinks they're in the right and you have no say in that. And that concept is fucking scary. Our protagonist isn't exactly innocent in the sort of claiming of bodies and stuff. You mean Vera or you mean, well, yeah, mm. that's where it gets complicated. So it's, it's mm. kind of doubly that kind of frightening because you get that from the point of view of Robert's poor daughter. Even the housekeeper has a sort of an ownership over certain bodies in the yeah. house. Yeah, she does. It's it's very, very messed up. Well, her son, who's dressed as a tiger mm. and shows shows her his bum. Yeah, so <laughs> to show it's him, yeah. It's a quite jarring, isn't it, in a film like this to have that cartoonish character. He kind of does a bit of that, though, in his other films. Another he thing does. that's a little bit jarring is the, uh, though it is quite funny, is the scenes in the dress shop where Vincent works. The women are all just like being quite rude to the customers. Yeah. They're <laughs> just like really kind of bitchy. And you, in the, the few scenes that they're in, the women in the shop you get a real sense of who these characters are and what their relationships are and it's almost like uh, there is some kind of human soul in amongst all this messed upness but i think if anything it focused almost too much on the human soul of the messed upness of it because mm. if you look at the actual mad scientist dude and how softly he's played mm -hmm. and how gently he's portrayed and how he dies without, you know, you kind of, you almost want like a redemption mm. at the end. Yeah, there's no ceremony, isn't mm. there? There's no ceremony. He dies quickly, painlessly, easily, and it's done. Luke, you spot any hilarious continuity errors or anything like that? Uh, nah. <laughs> You're right, it is hard to be funny about this film. I'm so sorry I picked it. I've watched a lot of disturbing movies, and I think this is very effective, just the undertone of it throughout just really gets to you i don't really know what to say about it but it, it, it surprised me a lot i've got issues with this kind of storytelling where the two main characters know exactly what's going on and it's just being kept from the audience 
just so that there's a story to tell. It's very telenovela, isn't it, though? It's very, like, yeah. soap opera. Like. Yes, it is. It is very like that. Mm. And the way Antonio Banderas is styled is is just like mm. he's, he's a matinee idol kind of thing. Mm. And, oh, yeah, he's Clark Gable, isn't he? Yeah, and that's what I really like about this film is the way that Almodovar shoots it and styles it. As with most of his films that I enjoy, it's not so much the story, which a lot of the stories in his films are just such bullshit, but... The whole tone of it just really gets it. He's a very good filmmaker. It feels weirdly archaic in terms of anytime anybody has sex in this piece, they're fucked. That's it. Mm. Their life is over. It feels like it punishes people for having sex, which is such an archaic storytelling method. I would disagree because like, you have the scene at the wedding where all the young people are quite freely having, you know, threesomes, twosomes sucking fucking having a great time it's just one character yeah but they're the ones we know they're the ones that we're closest to yeah it doesn't cut back to the scene in the orgy in the forest where like there's suddenly a masked killer going around with an axe yeah yeah no i guess i mean sex seems a point of the plot rather than just like a trope there's no kind of easy read on this because there's so much unsettling and fucked up and weird it's a really creepy lasagna there's a lot of unsettling layers and I don't want to pick it apart because... You don't know what you might find in it. Sometimes they might put... Who puts peas in a lasagna? Like, don't put peas in there. <laughs> or there might be a really long clam in it. <laughs> there might be a really long clam. There might be some helmet burger meat. <laughs> <laughs> the bit I found the squickiest, though, is uh, the toe glove. <laughs> the sock. I've got socks like that. They're really good for hiking. Oh, it looks so horrible. Yeah. Maybe go, yeah. <laughs> They're really good for, like, preventing blisters um, when you go hiking. The old toe yeah, sock. Right. Yeah. Well, she wasn't going hiking nowhere, so. No, she was just mm. keeping her skin together. Yeah, it was to keep her toes <laughs> in shape. That's... Which is essentially what you need hiking socks for, to keep your skin together. Mm. True. Oh, shit, I forgot to mention, I've been doing some unethical experiments of my own, and I need four volunteers to test them out. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I've spliced some music from one horror film with dialogue from another, repeated the process six times, and now our teams have to try and identify the 12 specimens I used. One half of each pair is from a mad scientist movie, the other half isn't, and our teams are Bryony and Sasha against Emily and Luke. Uh, Sasha, have you got some sort of buzzer noise? Ah! Whoa, what the fuck is that? <laughs> That's an African tree frog. My grandpa taught me to do that when I was little. You do that with your hands, your African tree frog. Ah! That's incredible. That is really cool. <laughs> you are a mad scientist. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most unsettling thing I can do. Okay, here's your first pair of scary noises. Came in through the basement and then tied her up and tortured her here. And then he killed her. This is where they found the body. Why you What is your dad Yes, Emily. It's the music from The Rage. It is. Well done. Did you get the dialogue? I did not. Luke? No. Dialogue then, Sasha and Bryony, can you get that? Came in through the basement and then tied her up and tortured her. Here. And then he killed her. This is where they found the body. Why are you doing that? What did your dad tell you? Tyler! I'm not accusing your dad. I just want to know what happened. It's like Cherry Falls or like, what's one of those? No, 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 no. It's the Clove Hitch Killer. Oh, that's nothing like I thought it was, but it's a film I enjoy. Uh, here's number two. 
What is the law? Had to spill blood. That is I'm the scientist. Is that your buzzer noise, Brian? Yeah. Okay. Um, is Doctor Hump the dialogue? No. Oh, it isn't. Oh no, Island of Lost Souls. No, the. Did you get the music? No, but I know what the dialogue is. Well. You fucked it. (laughs) (laughs) Luke and Emily, can you get the music and dialogue? What is the law? Had to spill blood. That is the law. Are we not men? His is the hand that makes. Is the dialogue the awful Dr. Olaf? No, it was Island of Lost Souls. <laughs> I, didn't Bryony say Island of Lost Souls? I did. After she'd already said Curious Dr. Hum. Oh. Yeah. That's what I thought as well, so that's why I just said that. Oh, I knew it was a doctor. I knew it was one of the films that I didn't watch, but I knew it was the doctor one. Well, it wasn't. It was Island of Lost Souls. <laughs> well, it has a doctor in it. <laughs> They've all got doctors in them. Well, <laughs> they do, they do. But this one has like, oh, we're not men, we are Devo. Like, well, yes, I know, that was the question. You can't just repeat the dialogue, say it was that one. So the music, which you haven't guessed at, no? Nope. No, the music was from Fallen and the dialogue was from Island of Lost Souls. Number three. Surprised you can't get this. Can I guess? Yeah. Is the music from uh, Dr. Orloff? Nope. Bollocks. No. All I heard was a child saying, I'm with the press. It's actually the prez, as in the oh. president. That was quite workoutable because they're on a train. Oh, your idea of workoutable, Clifford. Do you know what this feels like? And I am quite enjoying not being Cliff right now. This feels like when I set my D&D play as a riddle and then I'm like, guys, it's really obvious. And everybody stares at me like I peed on all their Christmas presents. Like this is, this is, I sympathize with you, Cliff. I do. Because this is, this is tricky. Honestly, they're on a train. It's Jamie Lee Curtis. There's a magician. Um, it's a terror train, oh, isn't it? Fuck, it was. And the music was from Dead Kids. Oh, okay. So halfway through, it's 1-0 to Luke and Emily. Uh, here's your fourth pair. I'm no cap. Then leave me alone. Oh, no, I'm a scientist. Uh, I think I was Luke first. Uh, the oh. music is, is men. Music is men. Mm-hmm. Um, and the dialogue is, is faceless. Oh, well done for the bonus oh, nice. point. That's three points there. Solid. I'll play it through. I'm no cap. Then leave me alone. I'd like to get my hands on the bitch. Hey! Oh! Oh! Watch your mouth when you talk about her. Oh! <laughs> now tell them the top. Oh! Oh! My shirt! <laughs> my shirt from Smalto! <laughs> my beautiful shirt! He's out of his mind! Start raving! Oh. So that's the ball kicking sound you're talking about. Whoa! <laughs> uh, number five. Hello, Sally. Yes, Emily. Uh, the music is Eyes Without a Face. It's not. Oh, crap. 
Okay. It's too French. That's why I didn't <laughs> think that. <laughs> and the dialogue? Corruption? No. Nope. Uh, Sasha and Bryony, can you get the music and dialogue? Hello, Sally. No. All right, the music was from The Curious Dr. Hump and the dialogue was from The Fan from 1981 with Lauren Bacall. So that was Michael Bain's voice, you heard that. And finally, number six. Then he realizes that he could fly down, do a little fast pumping and be gone before she even knows it because he's Superman, right? He's faster than a speeding bullet, right? So Superman, he swoops down, he fucks her so quick she doesn't even see him. Wonder Woman sits up. What the fuck was that? Yes, Emily. The dialogue is from Hollow Man. Yes, it is. Music? Uh, I don't know. Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. <laughs> <laughs> Sasha and Bryony, can you get the music? Then he realises that he could fly down, do a little fast pumping and be gone before she even knows it because he's Superman, right? He's faster than a speeding bullet, right? So Superman, he swoops down, he fucks her so quick she doesn't even see him. Wonder Woman sits up, says, what the fuck was that? Invisible man says, I don't know, but my asshole is killing me. No. Uh, it's just wind. Wind. It's very windy. Wind. It was very windy. Gone with it's... the wind. <laughs> it's not gone with the wind. It's got no wind in it, but. Jaws 3. Oh, oh this time it's windy and personal. <laughs> <laughs> so the score's there. Luke and Emily, you got five. Sasha and Bryony, appropriately enough for a mad science episode, you got absolute zero. I hypothesise that that brings us almost to the end of another episode, uh, by which I mean a psychotic episode by my diagnosis. Sasha, thanks for joining us. Do you feel that you've helped contribute to the sum of human knowledge? Yes. No, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. And now I feel I've negated any contribution I've made by, you know, when somebody knows a thing but isn't sure and so they sound like they don't know a thing at all. That's what I've done, I think. I'm getting the impression you overthink things, Sasha. Yeah, and also I've never made a graceful exit in my life. So I feel like I've managed to find that in podcast form now. Happy with that. Well, that'll do. Nobel prizes all round. Luke, you get a Nobel prize. Emily, you get a Nobel prize. Sasha, you get a Nobel prize. Bryony, there's a spaceship in Star Trek The Next Generation called the USS Nobel. There is. See, two can play at that fucking game. Ooh. Oh, I love you. <laughs> Thanks for trying. Next month, our theme will be disease and decay. It's going to be a grim oh. one. You're not going to like I'm it. I'm going to struggle with this. I feel ill watching 24 hours in A&E, so. <laughs> oh, I was in 24 hours in A&E once. Um, but we're going to watch Antiviral, which has Beautiful Man in it, so that'll be fun. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Rewind, rewind. What were you doing in 24 hours in A&E? I was hanging out on A&E. <laughs> were you the person that said you fell on a potato and you <laughs> no. had, your, had your clothes no, off? No, my, my brother was there and I had to take him to the A&E in Camberwell when I lived there because he was in Brixton and he went in a mosh pit and got his head bitten into in a mosh pit. Whoa. Um, bitten? Bitten! Oh, wow. His head went back while some lad behind him, his head went forward and then teeth collided with scalp Ooh. and um, he had to have little stitches. Ow. 
Jesus Christ. So this is why you guys are unfazed by any of these films. This is why you keep getting bitten by strangers. Of course you're not phased. <laughs> All right. So yes, Brian, as she said, has chosen antiviral as one of our features. Uh, Luke and Emily, you can choose the other feature because you want scary noises. Um, what are you going for? Luke, do you want to go for it? Choose the pussiest one. There was one of these. I read the synopsis and went, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pick contracted. Oh, fuck you, Luke. That was the one that made me feel sick. If you want me to pick another one, I'll pick The Killing of a Sacred Deer. I feel like that would be more fun to speak about as a feature. I'll pick that. All right, so uh, Antiviral and The Killing of a Sacred Deer next month on our Disease and Decay episode. Well, that's all for us this time. Send us your feedback on Twitter at DevilX5 because we love to be peer-reviewed. And if you've spilled any DNA while listening, then please clean it up. You don't want that stuff getting into the wrong hands. Oh my God. Or alternatively, you can use it to clone yourselves so that we can double our listenership. See you next month and thanks for listening. (laughs) 